verses 54 to 61. So 1 Kings chapter 8. And we have a wonderful message of encouragement and hope this morning in God's word. Um, looking at God's promises as we continue our series on rest. So 1 Kings 8, 54 to 61. And actually, I, um, yeah, that's where I want to start is 54. You there? Yeah. All right. Okay, page 533. When Solomon had finished all these prayers and supplications to the Lord... He rose from before the altar of the Lord, where he had been kneeling, with his hands spread out toward heaven. He stood and blessed the whole assembly of Israel in a loud voice, saying, Praise be to the Lord, who has given rest to his people Israel, just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our ancestors. May he never leave us nor forsake us. May he turn our hearts to him to walk in obedience to him and keep the commands, decrees, and laws he gave our ancestors. And may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night that he may uphold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel according to each day's need, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. And may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees and obey his commands as at this time. Amen. Longing for rest. It's a deep, deep longing that we all have is for rest, a sense of peace, security, feeling settled. Last Sunday morning, Dane said to me, he had been up a little earlier and had been watching the news already and said it was a bad night in our city, Gina. And he started to tell me about what all had happened overnight as we had slept. Yesterday morning, I got up and got a text message right away saying there's been a shooting near Bridge Street House of Prayer, someone that has volunteered here at TVAP. Um, We all long for rest, and when we get those abrupt things, that abrupt news, it's startling, it's unsettling. We know this is not the way God intended This is not shalom. This is not the peace of God. It's not always bad news in um, the newspaper or sometimes it's just some things that are troubling even in our own families, right? That thing that sends off an alarm, just like the police lights kind of cause you to shudder if you see it, particularly if you see them in the rearview mirror, right? You think, oh, Lord, please don't let them be pulling me over. Um, But, you know, it's just that, that... feeling of, oh, no, but sometimes that, oh, no, is something that there's something that's not right, maybe within our own relationships, our friendships. Maybe it's something that's not right within um, our children's lives. 
And we long for that rest and that peace. And when it's not there, we just know that something isn't right. The context of rest, the context of this passage. Solomon, wise king, um, and he's wisest man in the world, scripture tells us at that time. And he's giving this long prayer that we didn't read, and then it's summarized in this blessing that we did read this morning. That he's um, at the temple. This journey of God calling his people out of Egypt and through the wilderness And now they're in the promised land, and um, there had been a promise that Solomon, David's son, would build a temple for the Lord, a place where God's presence would rest. And so there had been King Saul, then David, Solomon, and now we have this fulfillment of this big, big temple that was built, and it would represent God's active presence among his people took seven years to build this gigantic, beautiful temple with the finest stones and wood. And it's in this place that um, Solomon declares, it's the Lord who has given us rest. He says, praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people. Last week, Pastor Jalisa had a picture of where um, Israel, God's people, had divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. This happened before that. And so now they're just one kingdom. There's all this land that God had promised. This would be the promised land. He had promised his people. And they're having rest on every side. There's enemies in the various territories. There's different rulers, political rulers, and so forth. But they're experiencing rest, and it's a, um, a, in this context, it's saying there's not the fighting going on. Not only is there not fighting going on outside, but also they're um, enjoying just an incredible amount of unity. Um, as a people of God, they're united together in one kingdom. There's an abundance of resources. There's wealth. There's these generous, generous sacrifices that have been made. Um, They brought in thousands and thousands of cattle and so forth to have this big festival to praise the Lord and honor him. And um, he starts out saying, praise be to the Lord who has given us rest. That idea of rest is um, to be made secure. It's a gift that comes from God. He gives rest. He's the one that makes us secure. He's the one that gave a resting place to his people Israel. He made it peaceful. They were refreshed in his presence. Notice that he starts out, and he could have praised the Lord for any number of things that I just mentioned, wealth or power or honor or even victory, but what he praises the Lord for is rest. That is the ultimate thing that is most meaningful, is this sense of security, peace, and rest that came from the Lord as good gift. And he connects it back to Moses. He says, not one good word has failed of all the promises he gave through Moses. God is faithful. When he makes a promise, he keeps it. He's true to his word. It had been 500 years. When we're experiencing rest, do we say, praise be to the Lord who made these promises to Moses, do we remember to go back that God made promises long ago that are being fulfilled? Actually, this is what's happening. The Lord is making his promises to his people, and he connects the promise and the blessing together. 
just remember, as um, I've, this is a map of jo- Moses' journey. It's one possibility of how they wandered through the wilderness. But they went from Egypt all the way up to the promised land. That was a long journey. And during that journey, they were learning who they were and whose they were. When they were in Egypt, they had been um, exposed to many deities and worship of other gods. And they had to be reminded and learn that it was God who had called them. He was going to be their God. They would be his people. They could trust him. And he proved to be trustworthy over and over with the manna, with the water, with the sandals that didn't wear out over all those years. And so the blessing came from this promise. And so you would think if there was this big culmination, like this is the big celebration of this fulfillment of the promise, there's this magnificent gathering, there's an incredible temple, you would think you would want to just stay focused on let's just praise and thanksgiving, like all-out praise and thanksgiving. But he goes into deep intercession. And if you would read these passages of um, prayer in the other part of um, 1 Kings 8, you would see he says things in prayer like, when anyone wrongs their neighbor, when people are defeated by their enemy, when the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned, like he kind of, <laughs> you know, it's like kind of surprising when you think about it. If you were having a ribbon-cutting ceremony, you would think you would just be focused on the event at hand. But Solomon, who is so wise, he foresees some trouble ahead. And he prays about the very things that they're going to be facing. Solomon prays for God's presence to always be with them. He prays that when their heart turns, because he anticipates that their hearts may turn away from the Lord in the prosperity and the blessing of peace, it's easy to get self-reliant, isn't it? Do you ever have that? When things are rough, we turn to the Lord and pray fervently. When things are going a little more smoothly... Is our prayer life as active? Are we in the word quite as often? And so he prays that they would be attentive to the Lord, that they turn back to the Lord, their hearts would be fully committed, that they would live by God's decrees. Well, this is a picture of what happens shortly after Solomon um, dies. Then the kingdom, they start to divide. They don't experience the unity anymore. And so this is after Solomon's reign, and there's two columns. One is the um, kings that ruled the northern kingdom, and the other is the kings that ruled the southern kingdom. And these books of kings, 1 Kings and 2 Kings, what it does is it goes through each king, and it says what they did and whether they obeyed the Lord or not, and they were judged as evil or good kings based on whether they followed God's commands. And so the ones in the north were pretty much all evil because they did not follow God's commands. The ones in the south, most of them turned towards evil as well, although there were some good. And so Solomon could foretell. He, the Lord gave him the impression and the wisdom to know how to pray for the people. Now, we're not studying the book of Judges, but I just want you to see again just another demographic or a little picture that shows that when Israel disobeys, then they are oppressed, they cry out, God raises up a deliverer, and then they experience peace or rest. But then so often they would go back to disobedience again. And that's our sin problem. That's a sin nature. 
without the um, work of the Holy Spirit to guide them, they would just go back and back. It's like, um, well, you know, there's this graphic in Scripture about a dog licking its vomit or whatever. You know, like we are just so sick. We would just go back to this death, this back to this um, disobedience. And so the question, well, wasn't the blessing of rest promised? Well, what was promised? If he's going back to Moses, what did Moses tell his people? Because we kind of, we need to know God's word. We need to know God's word to know what has he promised us. Are we promised a life of peace and bliss and so forth? Or what is it? And we can't make one-to-one correlations, but we, there are some principles here that even though it's laid out in the Old Testament, it still applies to today. There's some moral rules. We don't have to do all the ceremonial um, sacrifices and all. Jesus has taken care of the sacrifice. But there's some rules to live by that God gave. They're called the Ten Commandments. He didn't just give them just to God's people. It's actually for the whole world. This is how we're to live, and you'll flourish if you live this way. A review of Deuteronomy 28 to 30, and I think that would be something that I would wish that you would go back and read. But I want to tell you, this is Moses giving kind of his memoirs, and he's calling the people over and over again to obedience to God's laws, decrees, and word. And he gives them this warning, purge the sin from the camp, and he gives that ten times. He tells the people, purge the sin from the camp, purge the sin from the camp. Why was he doing that? Well, because in the covenant, there was a promise of blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. There's Let's put it in terminology that maybe would be a little more familiar to you. There's, um, you're going to get a reward if you do well. There's going to be a consequence if you disobey. Does that wording maybe help a little bit? So here's the blessings. You'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. Your fruit of your room will be blessed. The basket... And your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and you'll be blessed when you go out. And he'll grant you success against when your enemies ride up against you. They'll be defeated and so forth and so on. Curses for disobedience. You'll be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. And he goes through the fruit of the womb will be cursed. Also talks about you'll be unsuccessful in everything you do day and night. You'll be oppressed and robbed and there'll be no one to rescue you. You'll sow seed in the field, but you'll harvest little, because locusts will devour it, so forth and so on. So do you see that there's blessings and there's consequences if we're not walking in obedience? And so Moses says, if you do not carefully follow all the words of the law which are written in this book, And do not revere this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God. Then there will be these consequences. And he says at the beginning of chapter 29, These are the terms of the covenant the Lord commanded Moses to make with the Israelites. He goes on to say, If the person hears the words of this oath and they're invoking blessing on themselves, thinking, I'll be safe even if I persist in going my own way, they'll bring disaster not only on themselves, but on the land. 
so there's consequences. We can't call Jesus Savior and Lord, but not let him be Lord. We are his servants. That means we follow directions. Why, do we, why does he give us directions? Is it to make our life hard? No, it's so that we'll flourish. He wants to pour out blessings. And he goes on to talk about his grace, that even when those consequences come, that he'll eventually call his people back to himself. So there's, there's this promise of rest, and we can anticipate that there will be a rest in him and his goodness. But if we're not walking with the Lord, if we're not obeying his ways, there'll be consequences. And we lose that rest, that peace, when we're not walking in obedience to him as an individual, as a church, as the people of God. And the world, they live in chaos because they're not following the Lord. And so it is chaos, but they're still culpable. They're still responsible. We're responsible to know the law. So someone, I don't remember who it was that told me, that they had just walked out of the um, airport in Grand Rapids. You know there's that big um, multiple lanes of traffic that go one way as you come into the airport, go drive in front of it, and then you drive all the way around and back out. Multiple lanes all going one way. And they said they came, walked out of the airport, and here came a car in the wrong direction, going the opposite way all the way around. Now, fortunately, they didn't crash, but they could have. Would they be responsible and get a ticket for going the wrong way on that street? Yeah. Yeah, they would. Um, they're responsible for the law. If they have the privilege of driving, they need to know the law. They need to know that there's a responsibility to follow the directions. We're loved by the Lord. He's given us a law. We cannot go the opposite way without risking ourselves and others. There's consequences when we break the law. Someone that um, prays regularly sent me an email about a dream that they had recently. They said they had this dream that there was this lukewarm, dirty dishwater, and um, there was a bowl that had mixed up gelatin, and that bowl had the dried crystals of the jello around it, and so it was stuck on really good. And they were trying to wash this bowl, and it just wasn't getting clean, and it was a real frustrating dream. And anyway, they woke up, and they said, Lord, was that dream from you? Do you want me to know anything about this? And this person sensed that the Lord said, this is the condition of at least part of my church. It's lukewarm, it's not clean, and therefore it's not doing the job it's intended to be. We need to be passionate, hot for the Lord. We need to be walking in the Lord's ways and in his holiness. And when we're not, we're not doing, we're not productive, we're not doing the job that God had for us because as I read this morning, we're called to be a city on a hill, a light that shines, those that would bring peace to our city. And so sometimes there's there's consequences even for the church. If we're not walking in his ways, we're not being that bright light or that nice clean dishwater that could help clean up other things, right? We need to know and keep God's law. 
his commands, his decrees, and his laws. That's what um, Solomon prays for. This is the importance of discipleship. Discipleship is about a relationship, about growing in a relationship with God. When we hear the option that there's a Bible study or that there's BSF or there's coffee break or there's a variety of different things that some of you do to grow in your relationship with the Lord or small group, whatever. This isn't like optional, like, well, if I want to, I opt in or I opt out. Like, this is something that we should all say, I need, I need to grow in my relationship with God. I need to know God's word. I need to know about what's back in Deuteronomy. I need to know what's in Kings. I need to know what's in Acts. I need to know what's in Ephesians. I need to know God's word. Why? Because it helps us to walk in a way that will flourish and that will be a light on a hill, that will walk in the commands of the Lord, will know what they are, and will walk in his ways. Last week, Pastor Jalisa told us a passage. She was preaching, and she said, if we're trusting in the Lord, even as, um, as a smaller group of people, we'll send thousands running because they'll know that God is with us. However, if we're not, if we're trusting in other alliances, if we're going in other directions, making other things are the object of our trust, even a little skirmish that we should be able to win, we'll lose. That's my paraphrase of what she, <laughs> she was preaching last week. God intends for us to live without fear, to be bold, unshakable, unstoppable as his people because... We're focused on him who's all-powerful, who's gracious, who's good, who's providing for our every need. And so where are we placing our trust? I found this picture, and I really appreciated it. I, was, I just Googled, um, uh, what did I Google? Uh, City of Peace or something like that. And anyway, and so, um, so this was the picture that came up. And I love it. It's, it's a cheerful picture. It's a bright picture. It's a picture, I think, kind of shows the picture of what it would be like when the church rises up to be the church in a city and is praying for the city, the peace of the city. That's what I was Googling, the peace of the city. And so um, praying for the peace of our city, praying that we would be a a bride, the church of God that knows his word, that's living according to his commands so that his blessings are resting on us, and that we can pray those blessings for our city. And I was reminded as we were worshiping of something that happened with um, Dane a few, it was a number of years ago now, but I asked him if he'd be willing to come and share this story, because I think it applies to um, the sermon. And it's about him serving as a um, victim, was it victim response team with the sheriff's department. Okay, so this is kind of off the cuff here, but um, so a friend of mine worked on the victim assistance uh, with the with the uh, Kent County Sheriff's Department. And what that service did was, when somebody was murdered, when somebody died in an automobile accident, two members of our team would go with the sheriff to the door of the home, and um, we would help them, comfort them through that that announcement, um, because the sheriffs really weren't prepared for that. And so we went through a course, and we did a lot of work in 
how the social skills needed and preparation for going into a lot of these homes because some of these homes could be very destitute, very difficult. The situations that we would come into could be very hard. So after learning all that and being put on, um, generally I was put on a night shift because I worked days, and so I you would... You took a week of call. Did, wouldn't it go like a week of call? You were a week on? Yeah, I would be a week on, but I would be on nights because I worked during the day and I couldn't take the time during the day. And so it wasn't that I didn't want to do that job or anything like that, but I would pray that nobody would die on my shift. <laughs> and so, And so I went my whole year and nobody died on my shift, on my walk, when I had to do this job. And so when we came back, you know, when we would debrief and stuff like that, you know, at the end of the year when I said I was going to be leaving the program because I had different obligations and stuff like that, um, I had mentioned that. And they said, what? You prayed that nobody would die on your, wa- your watch? And I go, yeah. I says, is that wrong? You know, I just, not that I didn't want people to die, or not that I didn't, didn't want to do my job, but I just didn't want people to die, you know. And so, anyways, that's, that's the story that I have. And I think, okay, was God answering my prayer not to have people die on my watch? And I think, yes, I think that's true. Thank you. Um, they went back and checked his records because they could not believe that he had served a whole year because you're on for a week straight at a time. And they said, this is just impossible. And at the end, they looked back and they said, you're right, you, nobody died and you you took all these weeks. And anyway, and so I believe that's a story to give us hope about how God might use us as a church to pray for his people and for the community. This prayer, this blessing that um, Solomon gave, he prayed for the presence of God. He prayed that their hearts would be 100% toward him. He prayed that his prayers and the prayers that are prayed would be eternally active. And think about that. God's outside of time, so when we pray, that, his, that our words and our prayers are there eternally. And so the significance, the importance of our prayer, how is it that Moses prayed and urged his people and 500 years later and 1,000 years later, God's promises are still carrying on. He prayed and blessed that they would uphold that the Lord would uphold the cause of his people daily, that God would be exalted on the earth, and that God's people would have committed love as demonstrated by obedient lives. Spurgeon, um, the theologian and preacher, taught that we appropriate God's promises through prayer. So God gives these promises like putting money in a checking account, but we can go make the withdrawal. And it's actually when we make the withdrawal that that is active in our hands, right? And so God makes these promises. He says when we pray, that that's how we're appropriating those promises, and God gives his grace at that time for the fulfillment of that promise. So we can pray, and it, just to go back, we can pray for ourselves, for our, our, our families, for our church to be 100% turned to the Lord. We can also pray that the neighborhood and that those around us that we love and care about that don't know the Lord would have lives that would know the Lord and would come to be 100% following him. Jesus lives to intercede. Moses prayed, Solomon prayed, Jesus constantly lives to intercede for us 
even as the presence of God was over the tabernacle and then filled the temple so much that the glory of the Lord, they couldn't even do their job because they were so um, amazed. And I think the fear of the Lord, the awe of God, that happened again at Pentecost when the glory of the Lord fell, when the Holy Spirit came and filled the church. And the Holy Spirit helps us to pray, to join our prayers with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, to pray for his rest for his peace in our own lives, that the church would shine brightly at this time, that Bridge Street, the other churches in the neighborhood would shine brightly, and that the neighborhood would come to know God. And so we want to pray for the peace of the city. We want to pray for the violence that's happening. Tammy told me there was shooting going on in her backyard again last night, and the police had to be called. She was afraid to come out this morning to get on the get the van to come to church because of fear. Fear does not reign. Fear will not rule us. We will pray, and I believe the Lord will hear and answer our prayers. And so I'm going to ask us, we're called a house of prayer, and so I'm going to ask us to just move into groups of three or four, just huddle up wherever you are, to pray for this city, to pray for the peace of the city. And um, the worship team is going to come on up. And play some music quietly. I also think that there may be some of you that say, I'm really not worth walking 100% with the Lord. Or I'm just struggling in an area. Or maybe you're just really concerned about somebody. And you you feel like, I could pray in these huddles, but I'm kind of distracted. Because right now I just want to pray about a particular situation. There's going to be some prayer partners up here that you can leave your huddle and just come and pray. But we're going to spend a few minutes... um, believing that God hears and answers our prayers just like he heard Solomon um, in this passage. And so let me open this time of prayer. Lord, would you help us to pray? Lord, would you, by your Holy Spirit, empower us to pray for the peace of this city, the rest of this city, the rest, your peace, Lord, to reign over the west side, Lord, and in our hearts. And so help us, enable us to pray in Jesus' name. And so we're going to spend some time praying in little huddles, and then in a little bit we'll sing our, um, a closing song.